Hi guys, just popping on real quick to say we had some technical difficulties when we were recording this. We were doing it as an Instagram live. Did not realize that you could only do that for one hour of time. And then somehow when we switched to close down and get back on IG live, Carrie's recording didn't take. So it seems like we have about an hour of this conversation to share. And then when it winds down, do not fear head over to Instagram. We are at modernmystic underscore shop and you can listen there to the live video. So anything that you may have missed, there's gonna be two videos, part one and part two. You can head over and listen to part two over on Instagram. And while you're there, give us a follow. Um, I also wanted to just mention that I am offering remote group healing work. It is my favorite thing that I've been doing uh, over the past few months, and it's been highly impactful and very helpful for folks. So if you're at all interested in what that looks like, you can learn more about it by going to modernmysticshop.com, and on the top of our website, you will see something that says new and full moon remote healings. You can click there. There's a video there's some text that explains it a little bit, and if you're ready to sign up, you could just click through and you can join my healing group community. Okay, guys, buckle up. We've got a lot. We've got a lot of talking to do about the current astrology and the astrology of social unrest. And also remember that Carrie was a guest prior, so you can head back into our feed and uh, listen to more from what Carrie had talked about her last visit with us. Okay, um, so just for you guys joining us, this is Carrie Johnson. She has our last conversation about astrology was our top uh, listened to podcast ever. We had thousands of people listening. It was so incredible. And we got together right at the beginning of the pandemic to discuss some of these massive historical transits. Why I love talking to Carrie is that Yes, she is available for personal readings and transit readings, etc. But I love that she is a student of these astro-political cycles. And she makes it a life's work to understand what's going on from a collective and figuring out sort of how we can track and plan based on what's happening with the larger play with astrology. And so I find that personally to be uh, very informative and helpful and, you know, a, a bit empowering when it feels like we're so unsure that there's some more context astrologically that we can look at so to help guide us through this massive transition. So this is why I've, I want to have this conversation. Hopefully you guys can stay on for the whole thing. We are recording it so that we can push this out as a podcast probably tonight or tomorrow. But that's my introduction to Carrie. Was that right? Does that sound okay? That's right. Thanks, <laughs> Kelly. Thanks for that introduction. And we've been talking about this stuff for a long time, you and I. Yes. So it's nice to kind of be in it now and to 
go back over these conversations we've been having for so long. Yeah, and I feel it's like almost part of a series now, I feel like. So we had our first conversation. We gave it a couple months, <laughs> breather. <laughs> Lots of shit happened. Now we'll connect again, and then we'll see. We'll probably talk again in the not-so-distant future to kind of keep checking in on and how we're tracking, right? Yes, yes. So the last time we talked about the astrology of 2020, we focused primarily on that Pluto-Saturn conjunction that happened um, earlier this year. And you were talking about how significant it was because it hadn't happened in about 500 years and you took us through some of those timelines. So you're going to brief us a little bit about that. But then I do want to encourage people to actually go back and listen to the other podcast episode because she really takes us through a lot of the chronology of what has happened in the past and how it's impacting present day. But just set the stage for a moment. Okay, so as I said last time, astrologers have been watching the year 2020 for decades. Um, And this is really the year that like as a baby astrologer, I was not a baby astrologer anymore when I looked at 2020 for the first time. Um, The big thing that happened was on January 12th. And this is going to impact us really for the rest of our lives that we're not going to get outside of this influence. So what happened was the planet Pluto and Saturn, they formed what's called a conjunction, or they lined up and basically sat on top of each other in Capricorn, which is the sign of the patriarchy. And it correlates to our systems of government, our economic systems, the established order. Capricorn is the established order. Saturn is the sign or the planet that um, is at home in Pluto. It's its natural home. Saturn is the planet that correlates to structure and order, the established order. And when, when Saturn hits Pluto, what it brings is death to the old world order. So the last time that Saturn and Pluto were conjunct in Capricorn was 500 years ago, and it correlated to the Protestant Reformation. So we went back and talked about that last time. Um, And I, Rick Levine, I love this. He's an astrologer that I follow. He said, you know, the Protestant Reformation was the Protestant reformation. It was a protest movement that broke down the Catholic Church, which was the established order and the authority of the time. And society and governance was reformed following that Protestant Reformation. So Saturn and Pluto conjuncting or sitting on top of each other in Capricorn. Um, And again, that happened on January 12th. It brings death to the established order. And last time we went into the last hundred years of this cycle and traced it through um, World War One. It was active at World War One. It's roughly a 36 year cycle, but it's going to be active or activated at the first quarter square when those two planets form a 90 degree angle to each other at the opposition when they're 180 degrees apart and at the third quarter square. So although it's a 36-year cycle, there are crisis points 
and that's called a sonotic cycle, the relationship between two planets. And when we get into tracking the outer planets, what we're looking at is um, the story of, uh, of human history. The, the outer planets track the um, what happens in history and the evolution of, of consciousness on the planet. So there's huge, huge cycles. The, the really big one, the first one that kicked the craziness this year off was the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn. Again, death to the established order. And we can see it clearly. Okay. Yeah. Got you. So now when we talked about this closer to January, there was a different sequence of events. And now we're looking into... Um, how does the social unrest, because that's what this we're delivering today, is sort of the astrology of the social unrest. How does that figure into these major 2020 transits? Yeah, so it's kind of, it's the second phase um, okay. of, of the stuff that's happening in 2020. So Saturn and Pluto lined up at, at 24 degrees of Capricorn, right? And Saturn moves faster. So it's moved out of Capricorn now, and it's making its first movement into Aquarius. So folks will track uh, the social unrest to different things. We can we can really look at the, um, the placements of all of the outer planets and see that we're at a phase closing. So again, outer planets correlate to what's happening historically. So Pluto is in Capricorn. Capricorn is one of the last signs in the zodiac. Um, and then we've got Neptune in the very last sign. Neptune is in uh, is in Pisces, the, the final sign of the zodiac. So that's two of our heavy hitters. We've got Saturn moving into Aquarius. So we've got, so that's the last three signs are holding three of the outer planets. We've got a major phase closing. Then we've got Uranus. Uranus has started the next cycle. Uranus is in Taurus. And what that does is it just breaks up the established order, sudden shocks. And um, Taurus is like the orthodoxy. It's the foundation. It's um, structure. Well, it's like the the orthodox thinking, and it's the Earth itself. So think about the way that climate change is having an impact on all of this. Um, so all of the outer planets really speak to um, phase ending. But after Saturn moved off of Pluto and into Aquarius, Aquarius is the sign that correlates to the populace. So when we get Saturn moving into Aquarius, suddenly the populace is awakened. Aquarius is a deeply egalitarian sign. It's the sign that correlates to having a humanitarian view of what is in the best interest of all all people. It correlates to um, to the whole, to the group. So it's interesting to have Saturn and Pluto conjunct and there's phase, a signature of phase ending of the established order. And then Saturn moves off and goes into Aquarius and it awakens the consciousness of the people. Now Saturn brings, it's interesting to look at the way that what's happened really ties seamlessly into Saturn in Aquarius. Saturn brings limitation. 
It's authority figures and it brings limitation and contraction. So think about how we have been limited and contracted and life has become pretty small. We've all been like at home in our houses since March. So that really contributed to setting us up to be focused on racial injustice in a way that we hadn't before because we're so distracted. And I mean, in pass or in mass, I'm not talking about black folks, they're well aware of it. But to get it into the popular mass consciousness and to have white allies um, show up the way that they have in the in the last many weeks of civil unrest, we kind of had a perfect setup of, again, Saturn bringing the limitation to the people, the concentrated kind of energy. If you think about Saturn with its boundaries, it holds everything in. It brings limitation. So you, you, the focus of the people really shifted, right? Just, just by being at home. Um, and we suddenly, it was able to put our, we were able to put our focus on something very different. Um, but Saturn in Aquarius, Aquarius, so it's a futuristic humanitarian view. It's the populace, right? It's a pop populist uprising, populist movement. It's also technology. So think about the role that technology has played in awakening the consciousness of um, of this protest movement. The I'm uh, technology has played a role in capturing systematic injustice with these lynchings. It, it was key to get these things recorded and to disseminate the information. It was also key to just social media, showing these images, getting people's attention. And then you have, and this is very interesting, you have when it, it's like folks have really been able to awaken very quickly and develop people who didn't have it to kind of go pretty fast with developing an understanding of systematic injustice because people have used social media to share and disseminate and break down the information and to wake people up. So Saturn in Aquarius, it's it has to do with where the karma is for the population. It has to do with wake, awakening the population. And it has to do with like an extreme contraction um, and an extreme contraction so that you can kind of go deeper into the the Aquarian humanitarian populist movement, if that makes have, sense. Yeah, I have um, two follow-up questions. Number one, when you're talking about the social media as a mechanism to distribute and to create awareness just through, due to the, how the strength of it and the platform, we're also kind of seeing that social media is playing a role in dividing us too, in the sense of like these algorithms are feeding you more information that aligns with your bias, do you know, mm -hmm. or your interest or whatever. So I want to mention these two things and then maybe you can address them because I'm wondering if there's like a shadow undercurrent to almost like the negative expression of the positive 
attributes of Aquarius that you were mentioning. The second thing that I'm wondering is, and what I'm hearing with, with people that I'm talking to is, as scared as we are as, of systemic change, most people that I'm in talks with is are excited about it. But the biggest fear is, will we slip back into the old way? Yes, there's this awakening. Yes, you're saying there's this mass consciousness. I'm wondering if the astrology indicates that this is a sustainable um, conscious change because I think a lot of folks are worrying, you know, we were we were um, amplifying melanated voices last week, not so much this week. What about in a month from now? So those are my two questions regarding what you were talking about. Does that make Yeah, that second question first, there's no going back. It's the okay. end of an old world order. You know, after lockdown started, I was standing in my garden. I've be we have a beautiful community garden with some neighbors. Um, and one of the neighbors said, so when is this going to get better? And I just looked at her and smiled. So I, because she meant, when's it going to go back to the way that it is before was before. And it's, it is not going to, it is the death of an old world order. And we can, we can kind of see some of this. Um, racism is, Mm, it's really interesting, isn't it? How much um, racism has just been stirred up in our country in our country in the last four years under the current um, occupant of the White House. Um, it's it's like it's been okay to show your racism in the light of day. Um, it's it's horrible what has happened. And now all of a sudden, oh, that's not cool at all anymore. Look at the, the and you see really powerful people and powerful institutions and organizations are falling. So many people have been fired. The police involved in these lynchings, police don't get fired when they kill black people. So they have charges brought against them. Like this, this is not the usual thing that happens. Uh, look at the, what happened with the NFL and they acknowledged, Hey, you know what? Colin Kaepernick was always right. And they've had to go back and apologize in the last several hours. Many TV shows, um, have like, um, what's the one with Tina Fey. That was so great. They've pulled old episodes. Oh, 30 where, Rock. 30 Rock. Yeah. Where, uh, racially inappropriate things were part of the scripts. And it wasn't just 30 Rock. In the last many hours, many shows have gone back and pulled episodes that were not quite so um, appropriate, really. And look at stuff like um, Facebook, mm -hmm. folks walking out of a board meeting because Mark Zuckerberg would not deal with the basically the dissemination of fake information and the support of the president's lies on Facebook. He didn't want to do anything about it. So over and over and over again, look at how um, uh, iconic brands have fallen, like Mrs. Butterworth and Aunt Jemima and Cream of Wheat. Um, so we're seeing a really big shift in the culture where suddenly consciousness is shifting and we can see... Um, Folks who have in some way come to symbolize racist consciousness, it's just not being tolerated anymore. Yeah. So I hear the fear, but I really think that um, I really, I just can't, astrologically, there's no going back.
There's no going back. Which I think is great. I think that's great news. But I do. I, I, and I think that's something that I just wanted you to say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, I do I do hear that fear among people of all races that want the change, right? Like we want the change. And then it's like, what, how does it get sustained? Or do people go back asleep um, with the next news cycle? Which it sounds like, no, that's not what's up. That's not um, what we're doing. Well, notice that the news cycle is just not slowing down. And I don't expect it to. I think that it's going to be um, continue to be as faced as face fast paced as it has been and continuing to put these issues in our faces out in the light of day where they have to be dealt with. So, and, and I, I hear that concern. It's like folks, you know, thought that progress was being made in the sixties and here we are in 2020 dealing with the same issues from an astrological standpoint, we are in new territory. There is no going back. There's no going back. And we haven't talked about this much and we don't have to veer off to this tangent, but we are also in a new age. Like we're in a new, we know we're not in the age of Pisces. We're in a new, a whole new age on top of it. So I can see where there would be no going back. Um, and then, well, we don't have to talk about if it's not relevant, how social media is sort of propagating the positive, but then also propagating the, the negative with like not censoring for hate speech and propagating um, fake news or whatever. But we don't have to get into that. <laughs> I was just well, curious. Yeah, there there is certainly a shadow side to this. Um, there is certainly a shadow side and that cannot be denied. But I will tell you for the kind of for the first time, I'm really seeing the um, evolved consciousness really take its place in social media. I am loving it when what I'm seeing in my Instagram feed is posts rather than fashion posts. It's posts on how to be a good ally and what ineffective allyship looks like. I haven't seen that before. So, um, so yes, it's absolutely, uh, social media, in media oversaturation in general divides us and has fractured the the global consciousness and American consciousness. We are mm-hmm. so at each other's throats. And this is where really a meta perspective has to come in and where I dig deep into my own mysticism and um, go into a sense that we are going into a place of we're, we're going through a major transformation of human consciousness and the stuff on the ground at the moment is a piece of birthing that greater consciousness. Yeah. And one of my teachers actually said the reason why, and we're going to get into the similarities between um, like the George Floyd, like our current time period and the civil rights moment movements of the sixties. But one of my teachers said the reason why in the past it hasn't stuck is the consciousness wasn't there. There was the boots on the ground, there was the movement, but the consciousness that we, that the elevation of the consciousness that's needed to sustain a change forever wasn't, we weren't quite ready, we weren't quite there. So it sounds like we're there, from what you're saying, yeah. at least. 
Well, it's interesting. I think that part of what happened in the 60s, while if we're looking at civil rights in particular, um, and the 60s was there were multiple movements. There was the anti-war movement. There was the women's lib movement. There was the civil rights movement, which were all kind of intersectional social justice movements. You know, we have an intersectional social justice perspective um, at, at this phase. Um, climate folks, you know, the climate folks I hang out with are sure talking about listening to black voices. It's intersectional, it's all connected. But in the 60s, while there were white allies, that's one really big difference that's happening right now is that white folks are coming out in mass and that is what it is going to take it has it's going to take a shift and a disturbance in the whole consciousness of the country and in people who could just as easily sit back and rest in their comfortable white privilege so when we when we're going through a phase where one in five people has lost their jobs i mean that creates civil unrest and major dissatisfaction right there you have college kids who maybe they would have had perfectly great summers doing internships and traveling but that stuff isn't happening because we've got a pandemic we're all kind of sitting at home and while we're sitting at home guess what we're doing we're consuming a lot of media and it's media at least from the progressive standpoint that's feeding people on this like let me really sharpen my counter-oppressive analysis. And a piece mm. of that is going out and being a good ally and standing with. So we kind of have a perfect storm right now um, for a more massive awakening of the popular consciousness. And some of this, the success of the moment and the success of the protest movements at the moment, it it, it goes straight back to the, the four mothers and four fathers fathers who did this work in the 60s and laid the groundwork. It, it's not just happening on its own. It follows a long, long tradition. I just have another question that's off script, but I'm just, you just have to be thinking, you know, when women were trying to get um, voting rights, they had to appeal to men to be the allies because at that time they were the ones in power. So basically white men had to give, you know, the white mm -hmm. women the right to vote. Um, and now I'm wondering, um, well, the reason why I'm saying that is I'm wondering if what's different in the 60s versus now also is how far we have come with female rights and women's liberation movement and the feminist movement, because a lot of women are the ones on the street driving this mm -hmm. forward. A lot of women mm -hmm. are the people that are posting mm -hmm. and sharing and and doing what women do, which is organize community and lead and and nurture and and stretch and birth. So mm -hmm. I'm just curious if like the work that's been done a hundred years ago to allow women to finally take full part in this new consciousness and move it forward. Whereas in uh, previous generations, we didn't, we weren't, we didn't have that power. Yeah, I think that it's it's all of it. We stand on a very long history of oppression and liberation and more oppression and making, you know, it's been two steps forward, one step back, but here we yeah. are in this moment. And, you know, 
In the United States, certainly, you have we have this progressive edge on the coast, and yet because of the way that the Senate operates, with each state mm-hmm. having two senators, we're kind of being held hostage. Uh, progress yeah. <laughs> is being held hostage. Progressive, moving in a progressive direction is being held hostage by the power of the Senate, and the more there's no population in the middle of the country, and yet... Those states are holding us hostage in the Senate, and people are sick of it. People are yeah. sick of it. And it's like we have just been bullied and bullied yeah. and bullied yeah. for the last four years. And people are really by the man in the White House, and people are tired of it. People are just yeah. absolutely tired of it. And, you know, I don't know. You can only show your racism out in the light of day for so long before people just come for you. I, you know, but this is, this is Saturn going into Mm -hmm. Aquarius and there is an awakening of the mass consciousness. And again, it's, you know, this, this stuff is (laughs) well known in the black community. This is, this is white folks suddenly realizing and perhaps white privilege is being checked a little bit with the pandemic and so much um, economic uncertainty and one in five jobs being gone. It's like not our, our perhaps, you know, that privilege is being checked a bit Um, and it makes it more possible to, to take in and to see the suffering of, of what's going on. Yeah. With systematic racism. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the similarities that you have observed in the transits between the 60s and now? Okay, that is a really good question. And even the way that you said it, the 60s is a euphemism, right, for this rapid um, revolution. And it was global revolution and evolution, rapid Revolution and evolution, evolution in the way that people thought on the street, revolution tearing the structures down. So when Mm -hmm. we think about revolution, evolution, the two planets involved in that are Pluto, which brings evolution, and Uranus, which is the wild revolution, people power out in the streets planet. So in the 60s, those two planets sat on top of each other, right? And that's where we get the rapid evolution, revolution, all of the movements that came out of the 60s, whether it was civil rights, women's lib, anti-war, the the you know, back to the earth, the um, communism, you know, being kind of a, a yeah. thing that we were fighting against in the United States. So that's Uranus and Pluto. However, in the background of that, that was the major, the major transit of the 60s. But Saturn and um, Saturn and Pluto were also involved. Saturn and Pluto. So those are the two planets that just conjuncted. And what Saturn and Pluto do is death to the established order. So that was going on in the 60s too. But they were forming a square. So they were at a tense angle. And it was what Saturn and Pluto do when they're in conversation is death to the established order. It's like the chips just fall. So while that aspect was happening, Saturn square Pluto, we also had the Pluto Uranus. So it was death to the established 
order as well as this rapid evolution revolution thing. So Mm -hmm. Saturn Pluto, the really big one for this year, was active in the mid 60s too, Mm. incidentally. So we just talked about how the really big one for the 60s was And I did do, I talked about this at a lecture that I did at Modern Mystic a few years ago. I can put a link in my link tree. But Saturn and Pluto, or I'm sorry, Uranus and Pluto, right? Evolution, revolution. We, that plant, those two planets were in conversation again during the last decade. They were in conversation from 2012 to 2015. So they were forming a 90 degree angle or a first quarter square. And it was the first time those two planets had been talking to each other since the 60s. So what happened last decade? Suddenly, all of these issues from the 60s that maybe we thought we made some progress with were back in our faces. In particular, we're talking about all of the stuff that happened with police brutality last in the last decade, all of the high profile cases that were recorded on film. And, and suddenly racism was back in our faces and police brutality. So, and there was, there were issues around, um, you know, women's lib kind of came back last decade when we were looking at pay inequality. Mm. Occupy had some echoes mm-hmm. of the, um, the the back to the earth kind of movement of the 60s. So we saw all of these big kind of movements um, and time's up, you know, we saw a lot of people's movements and, and there were echoes of the issues that we, you know, the seed was planted in the 60s when Saturn, I'm sorry, Uranus and Pluto <laughs> sat on top of each other. That's when the new thing comes into the consciousness. Last decade, they formed a first quarter square and the issues come up again. The reason I'm bringing mm. this up is because although that faded in 2015, the issues resurfacing last decade, I mean, that's when Black Lives Matter was founded and they have not stopped. They have been organizing and organizing and organizing. And some of the success of the current protest movement goes back to that Saturn Pluto, the birth of this this evolution in consciousness around civil rights that happened in the 60s coming back into um, in really into the culture, coming back and being in our faces. We have not made so much progress as we thought. Organizing happened and, this, and the stage was set for them to be very successful this decade as Saturn went into Aquarius. Interesting. I don't know why I'm thinking about Obama being elected in that period of time. Was that indicated by the astrology in any kind of way or in that pattern? Like around... 20, 2008? Let's see. 2008. I haven't really looked at his election astrology. Interesting things that happened in 2008. I think of that's when Pluto first went into Capricorn and immediately, mm. and it's interesting. My mentor gave me, you know, I, I wasn't into astrology um, prior to 2010. I wasn't into astrology in 2008. So Pluto went into Capricorn, which is death, 
to the patriarchy. Pluto brings death. It's the sign of the patriarchy. So other than Obama, what happened in 2008? The economy collapsed, oh, right? Yeah, that's so my right. <laughs> I wasn't following Oops, astrology back then, but my mentor gave me all of her back like astrology journals from before that time mm. in in art it was article after article month after month for years looking up, up looking ahead to Pluto going into Capricorn folks were writing about what would happen mm. and the collapse of the economy was absolutely foreseen so Obama and you know I loved Obama but uh, he, in many ways, he, a Democrat is a, is a, in many ways, the established, established order oh. is the established order. But having a black man be elected president in the United yeah. States was a certain embodiment of the Pluto and Capricorn mm-hmm. energy. And he was a wildly popular candidate. People loved him him right and in some ways I can see him as the embodiment of this um Pluto so Pluto and Uranus were in square during those Mm -hmm. years and I can kind of so it's like this tension between the the the, it's like the people wanting to rebel from the established order was kind of what was going yeah. on in those years with all of the protest moment movements. And I can see Obama as the embodiment of the people's will to get out from under oppressive systems that never would have let a black man in prior to that moment. Yeah. And I'm also thinking in the 60s, I don't know, this might be off topic, but JFK was also really loved. And he was the president. Maybe that's just, I feel like he was like an adored president. Maybe just because my mom liked him and I have that implanted memory. But I think that he was an adored president. I think that he was an adored president. But yeah, I, ha- I haven't looked at his astrology. Yeah. That would be interesting. I'm just, I just, you're just spinning yeah. off so many questions in my, rattling in my mind. So um, <laughs> last time we spoke, we you also did mention the, that there's the astrocartography piece where um, each country and even city and state has their own natal chart. So can you explain in greater detail more, because most of our audience is from the United States, how these transits are specifically hitting our country at this time? Yeah. So like you said, every country has a natal chart. So for the United States, we pull a chart from July 4th, 1776 at 5.10 p.m. in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So that is where and when the Declaration of Independence was signed. It's referred to as the Sibley chart. And there are some other charts for the United States. It's it's not a person. We can kind of argue about when the country was born, but the Sibley chart is the most widely used natal chart for the United States. So just to give you, you know, and where is our sun in the United States? Our sun or the, um, the identity of the country. That's what the sun is in a natal chart. Our sun is in cancer. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, guess what? That, <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's in the, oh, I have it pulled up right here. It's I never thought about that. House yeah, Ju- and then July 4th. 
We're a cancer. Mm. But guess what that makes us? It makes us super clannish. Cancer is clannish and it has some insecurity to it. And in the and in the US natal chart, what is that insecurity? Insecurity about the security of our homeland. It's interesting. We are a cancer. We're kind of a clannish country. Um and then our moon is in Aquarius. We have a country with an Aquarian moon. So think about this, where Aquarius correlates to technology and technological innovation and being wildly independent. We have some problems with being wildly independent in this country. Um, Aquarian moon, Oh, it really sets us up to have this genius, this genius that has shaped our country in regards to technological innovation. And guess what our rising is? We're wow. Sagittarius rising. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> Just like you, Kelly. So Sagittarius rising. What is Sagittarius about? One thing is conquest. Sagittarius mm. is about long distance journeys over water. In the ascendant, that's, you know, the ascendant in the natal chart. It's the way that you strike people when you walk into the room. So what vibe do we give off? Sagittarius. We're on a quest, on a quest mm. for truth and meaning and value. And that's what led to the founding of the country by the Europeans in the first place, being on a quest. Shadow side, it can be conquest, which we have you know, had a pretty big problem with in this country. So the really huge thing, after just giving you a sense of the US natal chart, the really big, big thing is that we are coming up on our Pluto return. So when our country was founded in 1776, Pluto was at, and I'm looking at the chart here on my computer, Pluto was at 27 degrees, uh -huh. let me check, no, yeah, Pluto was at 27 degrees of Capricorn, and it shows up in the second house in our, in our collective natal chart, so Pluto in Capricorn and in the second house. What's the second house? The second house has to do with resources. And what is Pluto? In any chart, Pluto is hell. Pluto is the hell realms. And it's the deepest, most shadowy stuff in any natal chart. So what is our collective shadow in this country? It is the way that we have hmm, built our country it's the way that we have taken resources from the rest of the world to live a, an exorbitant lifestyle. And we have exported our, our, our materialistic consumer culture around the world. And we have a lot of karma around wrecking mm. the planet. So Pluto, I looked at this. I showed this to my mentor. She had never looked at the Pluto return in the U.S. natal chart. And what she said to me was there is karmic hell to pay for mm. the way that we founded this country. And it has to do with um, resources, with building the foundation of the country, with what we did. And what did we do? It has to do with um, the karma of having founded the country on genocide and slavery and yeah. all of the injustice that has been wrought around the world for us to have such an exorbitant lifestyle. So 
for the very first time, um, we are chart. Pluto is coming back around uh, to conjunct or line up with the spot that it was in when our when our country was born. So we have this huge moment of social unrest. And by the way, Pluto in this in the sky right now is now three degrees off of Pluto in our country's natal chart. So this is active and it goes until 2024. So it's active now. And this is going to be awake until 2020. It's going to be with us until 2024. But what we have is, or I'm sorry, 2023. It's so, and it's going to be exact for the first time on February 20th, 2022. Okay, so that's the Pluto return. So what we have, you know, it's the karma of, of what we have done. It's our collective shadow. Our, in our collective shadow around the founding of our country, it's it really makes a lot of sense that the inherent racism is in our faces for us to look at. Pluto brings healing, but it brings healing through lancing a wound. It there's pus there's a big pussy infection where Pluto is. The Pluto return, mm, it's like squeezing the zit. The pus has to come out. We have to look at it so that it can be healed. But it's really dealing with our collective shadow. Um, I'm just looking something up. Well, I have a question that's a little bit different, but then I want to go back to the Pluto is um, when you're talking about the Sag rising, do you think that's why we were also founded on religious freedom, our country? With Ooh, this- Kelly, that is a really lovely correlate. And it certainly fits because Sagittarius does have to do with higher religion and philosophy. And um, you know what else Sagittarius is? It's freedom loving. So I have always thought about the Sagittarius rising and the rising sign, you know, that's what So for those of you who don't know, personality profile in the chart is the sun. That's the identity. The moon is the way that we're wired emotionally. And the rising Mm -hmm. sign is whatever was popping up over the eastern horizon at the moment that we were born. So in the United States uh, natal chart, let me see what degree of Sagittarius. Um, It was 12 degrees of Sagittarius. So and that is literally who we are out the gate. It's the way that people experience us when we walk in the room. It's the first thing, the first thing. So the first Mm -hmm. thing with this country is Sagittarius. And yeah, religious freedom is an awesome Mm. application of the archetype that really fits with this natal chart. Yeah. I mean, and that's why we found, I mean, that's what people were seeking, right? When they came to settle in our country. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, religious freedom and uh, things were getting a little tight over in Europe and the prospect of just having more space, you know? Um, Oh, expansion. Yeah. Expansion. Yeah. Expansion and religious freedom. Oh, I see a question. Where is the U.S.'s Venus? And I was just looking at that. So May I answer? You, the U.S. Yeah. Venus is in Cancer, and it's in the seventh house. It's conjunct or sitting on top of Jupiter. So, mm. ooh, that's and that's kind of more of this mm, kind of clannish thing, right? Jupiter <laughs> blows everything up. 
it's like Santa Claus in the Zodiac. Whatever it touches, it expands it. It makes it bigger. So to have Jupiter sitting on top of Venus in Cancer. Mm. Oh, it's this family values thing too that kind of goes through our culture and gets circulated over and over again. Um, kind of conservative, kind of conservative values, family values. It's in the seventh house of partnership. Yeah. So for all the people that are listening, because a lot of our um, folks are into tarot, I just wanted to mention that the the major arcana correlate to Pluto is the ju- is the judgment card. It's card number 20. And I have been pulling that card so much, so much lately. And um, so just for those people to give you a, just a different context or a different... Um, lexicon, I guess, to understand those energies. If you guys wanted to look into that, the people that are into tarot, um, study the the, ju- the judgment card, um, which is a card of reckoning too, you know, and and aligning, really being called to the table to walk the walk and to align with your morals and your values. Um, but the good news is the next card after that, and I don't know if it relates to the astrology, but is the world card, which is a very positive card of like high attainment and completion and it's a you know so it's just just interesting i can see that in the transits we are going through a reckoning and it is a global reckoning the um fascist impulse that's happening in our country is happening around the world we see it um we see it with Bolsonaro in Brazil. We see it with what's going on in Hong Kong. We see it um, in parts of Europe. This is on trend um, globally. And that's the way these big transits to the outer planets happen when when we have big alignments with the outer planets. And again, we're talking about Saturn, Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto. It sets up global themes. So this is super active in our chart, as I just pointed out. So in addition to all of the crazy 2020 stuff, we've got the Saturn-Pluto conjunction that happened in January. That's going to be around really for the rest of our lives. It's a new world order. There is no going back. And now we've got Saturn moving into Aquarius. We have this sudden um, shift into a more populist framework, but we've got this going on around the world. It's not just in the United States. We see it super active in the U.S. chart with our the way that it's hitting our chart and with our Pluto return warming up, but it's a big global, global moment. I saw a question a little while ago that came up in the chat that I wanted to mention, and you might not want to claim an answer to this, but based on everything that you're saying, the question was, is the astrology set up for Trump not to be likely to be reelected based on this consciousness? Or, I mean, it's kind of tied in with what you were saying before, which is like Democrat or Republican, it's still the fucking establishment. So, you know, the establishment is the establishment. So is there any insight on that? Mm, I, I don't, or you can pass. I don't have an answer to the specific question yet. It appears that the momentum in the country, not even looking at the astrology, the momentum appears to be on the side of the left. However, I know that if I paid attention to different sources, I might be under, I might have a different impression. Um, 
What I would say is that the astrology is set up. So rather than looking at the specific, um, this specific election and the specific people who are running, what I see in the astrology is a shift from a big focus on the federal government. So mm -hmm. I see things becoming more local. I yeah, see, we're seeing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, the death to global industrial capitalism. So perhaps the days of me going into Target and being able to get absolutely anything that I could imagine that it has been shipped, created in China and shipped to really cheaply, I don't think that that is going to, it's not sustainable. And I don't see that lasting into the next decade. The systems and structures are breaking down. The old world order is breaking down. So yeah, we are, aren't we seeing that? The, the federal government with COVID has wanted to pass the buck to states to decide right. um, when they could reopen and to mayors to decide if masks will or will not be mandated in towns. Right. So it's it's really interesting. We've come to expect a lot from the federal government, and I'm not really sure that we have the, the resources and the stability at the federal level to kind of continue that model. So I see a big breakdown a breakdown regardless of who takes the helm. Yeah, and someone made a comment, and then I want to comment on what you said, that there is a difference between a Democrat and Republican. And I get that. What I was saying is that um, Carrie was just saying that it's still under the same sort of bracket it's as the, same the institution. Yeah, the same system. Now, I would, just to echo... Okay. Yeah, I, 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 under, I also honor the difference. And I, it's simply the suggestion that it's still the same institution right. and the institution. I mean, we we have really got the cornered the market on corruption with the current administration, but the system has inherent corruption. It is a plutocracy. It is government for the super rich, by the super rich. And it's kind of a, corporations are run Washington. You know, there's there's a high level of corporation regardless of what face we see um, sure. in the White House. And then I'm so, also noticing just, oh, go ahead. So, so systemic breakdown, regardless of who wins, I'm really seeing things coming back more to the local level with local manufacturing, local food production, um, you know, people really needing to know how to do real things like growing some yeah. amount of their own food, knowing how to make clothes, having skills that contribute directly to needs rather than um, jobs that have to do with you know, working in an office somewhere and creating information. We need real, practical skills. And I'm seeing things going that way. Yeah. And then just to reinforce what you were saying about things going back locally, um, regarding politically, I'm noticing that people are like mayors of like, for example, the city in which I live being a national television now as yes. a as a voice. We're seeing yes. that our local representatives and certain places like AOC, et cetera, are becoming national voices. Yes. And um, we saw here in our our state, we had the biggest voter turnout with suppression in a pandemic 
ever for a primary and people are really talking about who's the fucking sheriff like we need to we're electing our sheriffs our district attorneys like all of those people that and and a lot of you know i'm also noticing a lot of the demands from these black-led organizations for the systemic change can actually be implemented at a at At a local local level level. it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter who the president is so I, i i think you're also seeing that relayed um and even the demands of the of the culture in which we're trying to change to. Yes. And yeah, that gave me chills, Kelly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That's what it looks like. And working things from more of a local engagement level, that's where this this Saturn in Aquarius, this move, this populist kind of move can really take its power. Forget, to some extent, being hyper-focused on what's happening in the White House and in Washington is a huge ass distraction. They're not going to save us. It happens at the local level and there's a need in the coming years. This is a piece of Saturn in Aquarius too. Aquarius is about finding and connecting with your people. In regard of my personal beliefs, uh, that man who lives across the street and flies the Trump flag, I, I, we've, we've got something in common. We've got something in common. We both need food to eat and we can connect around that. You know, we, we there's just really going to be a need to get over our, um, our tribalism like I belong to this tribe, he belongs to that tribe and connect around bigger issues. And I do think that there is a possibility in repairing some of the fractured um, consciousness of our country and and how segmented and at each other's necks we are by the shift more to the local level. We need each other. And that's also Saturn in Aquarius. And we're also seeing, I mean, I guess one of the silver linings to this pandemic is we're seeing how truly interconnected we all are. And a pandemic doesn't give a fuck about a border or about a, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's highlighting the interconnectedness of our survival as a, as a species, right? I mean, yes, yes, yeah, yes, for sure. It is. And there is a possible for, you know, at the beginning, it's interesting. Um, in some ways, the pandemic has brought out the absolute worst in our country. This, we've got an Aquarian moon. What is it? It's wildly independent. No one is going to tell me what to do. I'm not wearing a mask. That's the government trying to control me. In some ways, the pandemic, on the one hand, in the beginning, we were buffering. On the one hand, in the beginning, there was this call to unity and we're all in this together. But within a few months, we're fractured back down into our political orientations and wow come on you guys what's it going to take what's it going to take so but I real, but I I don't know I see things going back local and I think that in going back local there's the potential for us to heal our fractured neighbor to neighbor relationships Awesome. Well, I wanted you to discuss the fact that we um, we switched our nodal signs. So we were um, Capricorn. Sorry, we were Cancer and Capricorn because it was. I remember it's aligned with mine because I have the same. And now the nodes are moving into Sagittarius and Gemini. So how does that change? Switch things up for the 
I mean, is it basically for you for the natal chart of our country or just how it's going to affect? It's for all of us. Yeah. Okay. Tell me. So can you hear me? Mm -hmm. I'm freezing on my end. I can still hear you. So so the nodal axis just moved from Capricorn. The south node was in Capricorn and the north node was in Oh, Carrie, hold on. So wherever the north node is... It's saying we, hold on, I'm sorry. It's saying we only have two minutes remaining. Is there a time limit on Instagram lives? <laughs> okay. If, Apparently. Okay, if we cut off, guys, if we cut off, then just we're going to jump right back on and try it again. So why don't we do that since I notice it? So everyone, we, let's do that. Okay, so we're going to jump off. I'm going to save this and then we're going to jump back on in a minute because uh, I think there's a time limit. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Bye.